You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you open your Bible at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, Jesus said in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Everybody say, all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. Say this, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit that dwells within my heart as a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is declaring the things of God and He's telling me my future. Family, we do not need fortune tellers. We don't need tarot cards. We don't need some gormas. We don't need any kind of widget boards. We don't need anything that the enemy would try to cook up to be a deception and a counterfeit of the true living God that lives within our hearts. Jesus has the perfect plan for you. He gave His life for you, and He died and paid for your sin and rose from the dead, proving your sin is forgiven, and now has a plan for your life that He wants to bring to pass, and He is teaching you everything you need to know to walk out the fullness of that plan, and He's revealing to, your, your, to you your future, that you do not have to be confused or worried about what tomorrow might hold, but that you know that today He has you, you in His hand, He's guiding you in everything you need to know and do, and that there's nothing that can catch you by surprise because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, revealing your future to you. Say it again. The Holy Spirit is showing me my future. Remember, Jesus has said we've been looking at how to recognize the voice of God. And we've come quite far now. Today is part six, I believe. We've already been through part one, which was the fact that you do hear the voice of God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. So that Jesus said, I do hear his voice. And so we had a look then, how do we hear that voice? And that was in part two. And we saw in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, that the Spirit bears witness with us. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, these things are spiritually discerned. And what are that? What is it that we're spiritually discerning? What are we able to bear witness within our spirit? And that we learned in part three is the voice of the Spirit in Colossians 1, verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now you can tell I'm just very quickly summarizing. If this is your first time, I really want to encourage you. We've been through a lot of materials. Go back to this. We look at these things in great detail. In fact, it's a good idea for all of us to get these messages. It's something that I listen to every single year. I still take my pastor's teaching on this, and every year I will listen through it. Why? Because I need to know how to hear the voice of God. And I encourage you to do the same. And so we found out that it's the peace of God that rules in our 
hearts, in our hearts. Now, we know that God's not speaking to our flesh muscle in our chest. He's talking to our heart. What is that heart talking about? Well, in part four, we had a look at the difference between the spirit and the soul. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So we found out that we are not just simply physical human beings. You know, you hear people say, oh, I'm only human. Well, the fact is that you may be a human living in a flesh body, but you're not of this world. You're born of God. You're born of the Spirit of God. And so you are a son, a daughter of God. Amen. So we're not just human beings. We're not even of this world. Come on, you're getting a hold of this. We are born again children of God with the living God within us. So this flesh body is just simply a vehicle. So we are having a human experience. Get a hold of that. You are a spirit of God. The Bible says you're born of God. You are His same spirit. You are a spirit of God having a human experience. You're living in a human body. Come on, you're getting a hold of this. Say this, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. Remember Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce even to the division of spirit, of, of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, the discern of the thoughts and intent of the heart. So we see right away that our spirit and the soul are not the same thing. We are spirit beings. We have a soul. That's our mind, our will, and emotions, and we live in a body. Say that with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. It's my mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body. Now, why is it important to know that? Because when God leads us, He doesn't lead us in the flesh. He doesn't use fleeces like He did in the Old Covenant. Remember, under the Old Covenant, they were not born again. And so they were not able to hear God within their spirits because their spirits were dead until Jesus came to pay the price for that. So they were incapable of being aware in the spirit. So God would manifest in the natural and he would show up, for example, in a bush and that would burn. That was something that Moses could see because he didn't have any other way of relating to God. That's why Gideon asked for the fleeces to say this is God or isn't God. Now, God did that by His grace, but have you know, the devil also knows how to change circumstances. When Jesus was sleeping in the boat, there was a storm whipped up, and that storm was not from God, because had it been from God, then why would Jesus tell it to be still? That was Satan coming, and he was using fear, that so much so that there were sailors in that boat who were used to huge storms. They've been on that lake many, many times. They understand storms. They know how to sail a boat. But this particular one put them in fear. So seasoned sailors put into fear. That was a huge storm sent to kill them. And Jesus stood up and told it to be still. So if the enemy can change weather and change things, he can change fleeces, he can make things happen. And so you don't want to be led by things of the natural. Uh, there's a door that opened, this must be God. The devil knows how to open doors as well. He knows how to make things look very attractive. Come on, how you know what I'm talking about? 
And so we need to be able to discern from our heart, from an inward man. And we found out in Job chapter 32, verse 8, there's a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. So it's my spirit man that must understand. Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Psalm 77, verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate with my Heart, notice, not my mind. My spirit makes diligent search. Psalm 16, verse 7 from the NIV. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. So we keep hearing this word heart, 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 heart coming up. And so we recognize that the heart is the very inward man, the depth of your spirit. Now, you know, don't get too confused or too pedantic about heart, spirit, soul, whatever. Just understand that your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. You have a thinking capacity in your mind. If I asked you to add 10 and 10, click, 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 the brain would go into action. That, that's, a, that's a soul realm thing. But there's also the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's that inward part of you that has a thinking capacity, but that's what science has discovered, and they've labeled it the subconscious mind. And they're still studying it out. They're still trying to figure it out. And they realize that that subconscious mind, which we all know, governs our lives, and sometimes we land up doing things that bypasses our natural thinking. How often have we done something, and then afterwards we think, well, why did I do that? That's not me. You know, if I was in my right mind, I wouldn't have done that. Come on, have you ever been in a situation where something just happened? We need to understand this because it's from that inward man, that inward heart that God is leading us. And if we're not aware of it and we're not listening for it, and that's drowned out by our feelings, by our emotions, by pain and, 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 you know, anxiety and things that happen in the natural around us, if those become the louder voices... The enemy can use those outward voices, those outward circumstances, even to the depths of our soul, the way we think, emotions, to make us make wrong decisions and lead us away from God's plan for us. We don't want to be caught off guard with that. And so we had a look at how important it is to understand the truth. Everybody say the truth. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Everyone say truth. Now, what is that truth? Really, we should say, who is that truth? John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the problem with today's society, is that people are saying truth is relative. Whatever's your truth. You can't tell me what my truth is. It's what I feel. It's what I think. And if I identify that way, then that's what it is. Family of God, how many of you know the enemy can work in that mind? The enemy can make you feel like anything. Come on, how many of you ever just one day, you know, just feel down, just feel out, you know? Just, uh, it's like, you know, uh, so often with like my wife, I'll just see now she's crying. I, what's the matter? There's nothing. Now you kind of wonder, does nothing mean nothing, nothing? Like marriage, nothing? There's a huge issue, but we're not talking now. Or is, and there are times when it is, is just genuinely nothing. I mean, have you ever had that where you just, you know, there's nothing wrong. No, nothing happened. Nothing's gone wrong. Nothing happened yesterday. No one's been bad to me. My husband's fine. You know, everything's okay. But I just don't know why I feel this way. 
See, that's because the enemy can work in the realm of emotions. And he can get me to a place where, you know, I just find sometimes I, I just suddenly feel, I don't know why I'm so aggressive. Why am I so angry right now? Why is this happening? And, and, and just start chipping and you go, no, hang on. There's, there's something wrong here. And I realize the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I have to rejoice. I need to get some more joy back in me. I have to rejoice. And, and that rejoicing only happens in the presence of God. And when I rejoice and let His joy fill me, and His love floods out the fear and that anger and everything else. But the point I'm making is that those are, that's all happening in the realm of the soul. So if He can so easily influence us, then how can I suddenly feel like I'm a something, or I feel like this is right, or I feel this is the right way? The Bible says the way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. The end is death. You can't tell me what my reality is. Well, I, no, you're right. I can't tell you, but Jesus can. And he said he is the way, the truth. So I'm not judging anybody. You're just judging me. No, I'm calling the word. Because at the end of the day, he, there is only one truth, and that is Jesus. And that truth still lives, and he's alive today. So how will I know? Who knows what the truth is? People say, who knows what the truth is? Well, Jesus is the truth. And it's so important to understand this and to know this. Because if we don't get this, then, then we're incapable of hearing the voice of God. The only way we're going to hear God's voice, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, He said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and that truth shall make you free. What truth will make you free? Because you've heard it often, and you've heard me say it so many times before, that people just quote the last part of that verse. The truth makes you free. But Jesus prefaced that with, he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's only the truth you know that can make you free. Say that. It's only the truth that I know that can make me free. Come on, you know it. How, how many people do you know that as a child growing up, you know, people, parents, aunties, uncles always ask, what are you going to be when you grow up? How many people actually say, I want to be a pauper living on the street in, uh, in a tent. Does anybody have a passion and a desire to be poor? Not one human on the planet. Isn't that right? And so what happens is the enemy will answer that, and he will make sure that there's some kind of religious idea or understanding that you should stay poor. And when you grow up and you find out the Word of God and you find out the truth is that God is a prosperous, loving, providing, healing, protecting Father. And His desire, His pleasure is that you prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers, that God wants to supply and provide your every need according to His riches in glory. 
glory. He wants to make grace abound towards you that you always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. I didn't know that until I found it out from the Word of God. But when I found it out, it set me free from poverty. It set me free from lack and debt and everything that tried to destroy my life in financial areas. Come on, how many say amen to that? See, I didn't know that you could just call on healing. There was my wife struggling and battling with a disease and seemed like it was hopeless. And then we found out from the Word, you can actually call on that healing. You can demand it because He's already paid for it. And the only one keeping it from you is not God, it's the devil. And when you discover that truth, you can call on it and say, that is mine, and I call it into our lives, and then God is able to move in your life. See, it's only the truth you know that can make you free. So if God's trying to lead you somewhere, He's trying to take you to a place He's giving you the wisdom. He's giving you the guidance. He's giving you the the spiritual discernment. He's giving you the peace to take you somewhere. But if you don't believe you belong there, you will fight to stay away. You won't hear God leading you into that. It's not that He's not leading you. It's that we're not hearing Him lead me. So the only way I can hear him lead me to where he needs me to be is for me to hear it from the word, to believe that's where he wants me to be, to believe the path is clear. So that when he guides me, he can take me to that place. Because along the way, the enemy will do everything he can to get you off that path. And if I don't believe I belong there, Then the next hurdle that comes along, I might think, well, maybe that's God teaching me to be humble. Maybe that's God, maybe my dreams are too big and God's just trying to humble me. See, that that is a belief system. That that, that God gave me this disease just to teach me a lesson. I remember when we were standing in faith for our children and God showed me in a vision that I would have a son. And I spoke it so boldly, I have a son right through Janine's pregnancy. If anybody even tried to bring up the concept that might be a girl, I said, I'm having a son. <laughs> so much so that we had, I had people concerned and said, are you sure if, if Janine, if you have a daughter, is Alan going to love her? But when Brittany was born, I fell in love with her. That's not, that's not the issue. The moment I saw her, I said, praise God, I, uh, that's my baby. I fell in love with her. Amen. But I still have a vision. I have a son. And there he is today. And Michaela along the way in between. Amen. Now I have two sons. My, my first daughter brought my son into my life. You getting what I'm saying? So what am I saying here? Right at the beginning, when I was standing that way, when Brittany was born, I had a lady call me over. And, and she, I won't mention her denomination, because I don't want to speak negatively about anything, but she belonged to a certain line they call Christians. But uh, she called me over and said, she had a finger in my face. God gave you a daughter just to prove You can't tell him what to do. That's interesting. What what scripture are you basing that on? Can you give me something from the word? Teach me. Show me two, three scriptures. Of course she couldn't. 
That was her philosophy. So someone like that will always struggle to get to God's best because maybe God's trying to teach me something here. But here's the thing. I already heard God had said, God said, I have a son. I had that as a leading. That was his, his word. And so that caused us to go to the word and get scripture on it. Get the word and, and, and feed our spirits. And we fought that fight for nine years. There he is today. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the point that I'm making is until you know that it is God's will for you, you won't even hear his voice taking you there because you may even reject that as a word from the devil because I'm not sure maybe that's not God. Say this, if my mind is not renewed, it is difficult to be led by God and quite possibly open me to hearing from the devil. If my mind's not renewed. That's why Jesus said, abide in my word. Abide. Abide. <laughs> if I came to you and said, where do you live? You're going to give me an address, aren't you? Now, how often do you live there? Every day. It's where your bed is. That's why you say, that's my home. Isn't that right? Now, you may go on holiday somewhere. You may go away somewhere. But most of the time, you're going to live where you live every day. So if you're going to abide, live in the Word, it's not once a weekend. This you're getting here is the igniter. This is the feeding of the faith. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the words. I'm giving you the faith. I'm feeding you the Scriptures. But now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is the abiding. Every day. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth. So it's a daily dwelling. Everybody say daily dwelling. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with how much? All your heart. See, we back to the heart now and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. How do you want God to direct your path? So let's look at it in reverse then. If I want God to lead me in all of my ways, to direct my path, in other words, he's going to show you the next step to take. Then to do that, then what's going to happen? I need to acknowledge him in all of my ways. If he is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. How many you say Jesus is your Lord? That means he, uh, there's only three hands. How many of you say Jesus is your Lord? I just want to make sure, otherwise we're going to have a huge altar call today. <laughs> say Jesus is my Lord. And as my Lord, I acknowledge him in everything that I do. See, family, there's nowhere that you should be closing the door on God so that you can get on with something in the quiet. Hello. You want to sneaky, sneaky over here? Is God Lord of that situation? Is He Lord of that? That's where I help people get over addictions. 
Someone says, I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to smoking or I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to this drug. I said, then just bring Lord into it. You've heard me give the testimony. Next time you want to light a cigarette, take it out and say, Father, I'm giving you glory with this. This is a burnt offering, a sweet-smelling, fragrant aroma to your glory. And I'm lighting it to give you honor and praise. I did that once with a man. He said he wanted to stop smoking. And by the Spirit of God, I gave him that instruction. He looked at me just like some of you are looking at me, like, that's crazy. And he came back a few weeks later and said, Pastor Alan, I can't, I can't just can't, I can't light another cigarette. Every time I pull it out, I can't get it. I can't praise God with that. You see what happened? He became Lord of that situation. And so they, they conquered that, that addiction in their life. See, if he's Lord of your life, you're acknowledging him in all of your ways. He's Lord of your family. He's Lord of your marriage. He's Lord of your ministry. He's Lord of your investments. He's Lord of your business. See, how can someone be a Christian and have some kind of sneaky business on the side? I, I, I love God, you know, but, you know, this little deal over here. No, He's Lord of all. I said He's Lord of all. And if he's Lord of all and acknowledging him as Lord, then I don't lean to my understanding. I'm not going to try and figure this out with my own mind. Now, I can add one and one. I know how to add that. If I want to do a budget, I know how to balance a budget. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying, I know what God says, but. I'm trying to figure out what did we do last time. Even in leading the ministry, how many you know when we planted the church, we were listening to God all the time, and a lot of what we put into place was God-led. But it's so easy to get into a place that 10 years later say, well, we always did that and must work. And all of a sudden it's not working today. Why? Because God is leading us into a different direction. So just because it worked yesterday doesn't mean it's working today. Today I need to hear a fresh word. And as you lean not unto, you, unto your own understanding, then you trust the Lord with all your heart. Everywhere say, all my heart. Now have a look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, listen to this now, the what? Implanted word, which is able... To save your souls. Now, who is he writing to? James is writing to Christians, not to unsafe people. He's saying, save your soul. But look at verse 19. It says, so then, my beloved brethren. So he's writing to Christians. Say this, James is writing to Christians, and he's telling them, they need to save their souls. So what's happening here? See, when you give your life to Jesus, it's your spirit that is saved. Now, it's easy. I know we sometimes say we, we're out saving souls. Yes, you are saving souls by saving the person, by giving them the word of God, their mind gets it. But it's the spirit man that's been born again. Now, what saves your soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and emotion. Now, notice he says here that we to receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, obviously, whenever you read that, it's still going to say which is able to save your souls. 
It wasn't just for that moment. He didn't, it was not, they're born again, you get your spirit saved, and then the next step is get your soul saved, and then we're done. No, he's saying here, the Word of God is able to save your soul, which means your soul is in constant need of saving. Say that, my soul is in constant need of saving. Why is that? Because your soul can be easily influenced by whatever it gets as an input. Advertising proves that. You didn't even think you wanted a Coke. You didn't even think you wanted that. And next moment, there's an advert. Now you can't wait to get to the shop. Why? Because the mind is easily influenced. Advertisers know that. So if the mind is easily influenced, I need to keep bringing it back. Keep bringing it back. Keep bringing it because it can be easily taken away from the where God is leading me. And so, how do I keep the word? How do I keep my mind back on the word of God? He says, "Yeah, receive the implanted word." He didn't say receive the word. He said receive the implanted. Everybody say implanted. So that implanted is speaking about getting that word down into your heart. Now, to get it to your heart, it has to go through your soul. That's the renewing of the mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We've already dealt with that. You notice you are not your body. He always talks about the body as another object. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. And that family is one of the problems that I have. That, well, it's not a problem. It, it, it's a concern. I shouldn't even say concern because Jesus is building his church. But from an apostolic outlook is where the church has this tendency to think the more they look like the world, then the world will come. And we don't attract the world with the world system. The power of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. And we need to make sure that we are still different from the world. We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to look like the saved world. No, we are taken out of the world of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we're not conformed to this world. Just because the world is saying something, just even if they legislate, even if they say it's law, I don't care what they write into law. If it violates the word of God, I will not stand by it. The word of God is my constitution, and that will be the first thing that I will always answer to. How do you say amen to that? And so he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind. Now, why would I renew my mind? To prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Family, I won't know what God's will is until I renew my mind to what the Word of God says about it. Notice it talks about good, acceptable, and perfect. Can you see the progression there? The moment you're born again, you're going to heaven. 
The moment you're born again, you're destined for heaven. You are in the will of God. But that is not God's best for you. You can live on this earth and be through sickness, poverty, not you, somebody else. They can go through struggles and strains and never, ever have God answer any of their prayers because they never learn how to pray correctly. They never know how to stand in faith. And if they die, they're going to be upset, hurt, broken, busted, disgusted, but go to heaven. But that's not God's best plan for you. See, there's more to His will. There's the acceptable will. The acceptable will is, yes, I've called you somewhere, but you haven't heard that yet. So in the meantime, you're doing something. But as long as you're on the road. That's not where I need you to be, but you're in the right place for now. That's an acceptable will. But how many want the perfect will? You want to be in the place God called you to be, flourishing in your ministry, flourishing in what God's called you to do, flourishing in the gifts that are in you, every potential God's built into you coming out and meeting the needs of people around you, that you are ministering the living kingdom of God and getting people saved. How many want the perfect will of God? And the only way to get there is through this implanted word that renews my mind to God's perfect plan. That I renew my mind to what God wants for my life. Only when I know His plan for my life will I then be able to walk into it. Hallelujah. Remember Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so is he. Say this, as I think in my heart, that's the way I'm going to be. And so that's what we want to do, family God, is take the time every single day, even if it's something you know. Even if it's something you know. Scriptures you can quote off by heart. I mean, many of us here, when I'm teaching and I begin a scripture, you finish it. That's because your mind's renewed to it. But... How you know that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that will be challenged. And I need to renew my mind to it again. And the only way to do that is if we're speaking that word. If we're declaring that word. Every single day. If you find your mind drifting in a certain direction, you start thinking contrary to God's word, snap it back and declare the word. Speak the word on it. Every day. That's the way you're implanting that word. Family of God, how do you want to know how to take a word and get it firmly implanted? How do you want to know how to build a word into you? How do you want to be in a place where you have that word active? We're going to have a look at that next week. We're going to make sure that we get the coaching and the building and the developing so that you're able to do that. Amen. But I really want to inspire you today. You ready for the word of God to renew your mind? Come on, give Jesus praise for his word. Amen. Let's stand together. Place your hand on your heart and say, Father, today I have heard the word of God. That word is life to me. Your word brings faith to my heart, driving out all fear. I am a believer, not a doubter. And as a hearer of your word, I'm also a doer. And I receive your living word. And every day I implant that word within my heart. I cause that word to come to life as I hear it, as I speak it, as I decree it. It has been planted in my heart 
and I renew my mind. So when you lead me to your perfect will, I hear your voice clearly because I'm following your word, your leading, your direction. I cannot be influenced by Satan because when he tries to lead me, it'll be away from truth. And I know your truth because I've renewed my mind to your truth. And I believe your truth first. Therefore, I reject anything that speaks contrary to that truth. I receive only the truth of your word. And as I do, I follow that truth. And as I do, I am led to your perfect will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.